This is a West Gippsland Week podcast. Something that has been progressing along for a little while that uh, perhaps uh, a few people haven't noticed uh, is the uh, progression towards a truth-telling commission in Victoria, which is meant to lead to a treaty between the Indigenous and non-Indigenous citizens of this state. I'm joined now by Geraldine Atkinson, who is co-chair of the First Nations Assembly in Victoria, who have just produced a report to to the uh, Truth-Telling Commission on expectations of the Indigenous people from the Commission. Thank you very much for your time, Geraldine. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to, and I'm delighted to uh, explore with you a little bit about the uh, First uh, Nations Assembly. Could you describe a little bit about it for us? Just going back uh, in, in time a bit to about 2018, 20, we had a, the Victorian Treaty Advancement Commission. Uh, so it was, a, was established by the uh, Victorian State Government of the time, uh, what they did was they had community consultations in relation to a treaty. And uh, so what the recommendations that came from the Treaty Commission was that it would, there would be a representative voice um, to the Victorian government on the treaty process. So First People's Assembly of Victoria was established. Uh, there were elections that were held throughout Victoria. The, the, it was decided on... Um, having regional representatives and having metropolitan representatives and having traditional owner representatives, which were uh, the registered Aboriginal parties, which the one in your area, you'd say, is Galway. So we have, we have representatives from those. Uh, in total, there were 31 people that were elected, uh, including those from those 11 registered Aboriginal parties. So within the regions, it was split up in northwest, northeast, uh, north, uh, south, west, and southeast, and then metropolitan. So, of course, metropolitan, the, the biggest population had most members. We were elected with a role, an electoral role, which was devised specifically for that process. So it's not a part of the AEC, but it's a part of, of uh, uh, an Aboriginal electoral role. Uh, so elections took place. We were elected in 2019. We had our first uh, meeting in Parliament House where uh, we, those members, which we, we called those meetings are now called chambers. So we had that first chamber meeting where a board of directors was elected and from the board of directors there were elections for KHS. So myself and Marcus Stewart from um, the Tanarong Registered Aboriginal Party was elected as co-chairs. And I just wanted to make clear that we are not negotiating treaties what we were, we were established to do was to build the architecture, which is a process for, that works towards later for treaties to come. So in our first chamber meeting, we decided that we would, that we were, it was voted on, we decided that we would have one, it would be a hybrid model, one statewide treaty that would look at all of the, the health, justice, education, sort of those sorts of um, initiatives. Then we would have traditional local traditional owner treaties that would uh, that people would be able to then negotiate at, at, at the local level. 
on what their requirements would be. So it's, that last part you? seems to me to, to, to be one of the, the questions that I had in my mind was um, that the, one of the problems, I guess, with treaty in Australia is that, in fact, the, the Indigenous community was a, a large number of uh, uh, several hundred, I think, if, if my memory serves, um, different... Uh, effectively different nations across the 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 country certainly different communities um so uh, there there is the problem of does one treaty sort of take everybody in but so hence you are saying that there's going to be two levels of treaty for want of a better term Mm -hmm. yes that's right the report that you've produced i gather is is your first sort of major step towards designing that that architecture that uh process for the the treaty making in one of our chamber meetings we had discussion and one of the things that we, we were that we'd said that our community couldn't have treaty without there being the truth being told so what we what that meeting had decided that we would um, approach the state government for a, a royal commission into truth a royal commission for justice into truth telling that's sort of what's happened to Aboriginal people since colonization and I guess the idea of a truth-telling commission is not sort of startlingly new. It has been done around the world, but um, I think you're you're looking for something that's a bit broader than than other occasions where this is, has happened. We're certainly looking at a, a, a more more broader uh, prospect for this commission. We also wanted to not call it a commission uh, because people had, were a bit sort of weary of. of Royal Commissions, because we had Royal Commissions and we've had inquiries and those sorts of things in the past, and uh, all of those recommendations have never been implemented. So from all of those, there were bits and pieces, but what we needed needed was something that was going to make government accountable so that we would have that truth-telling and then we we would look at, you know, the systemic changes, we'd look at uh, what the past impacts of colonisation had done you know, looked at historical injustices and we're looking, you know, sort of looking at things like, you know, sort of the massacres that are occurred. So that's the truth of those, the genocide that was practised about, you know, when uh, Aboriginal people were then placed onto missions and they were expected to die out, a term that we used or I can remember using when we were young to smooth the dying pillow. So that was the expectation. And then from there, the, the things that occurred to Aboriginal people on those missions um, the slavery that, that, you know, was committed, that Aboriginal people worked for, for pittance and didn't ever receive their full wages, those sorts of things, uh, as well as looking at, um, you know, sort of the policies of the past, particularly in relation to assimilation, so segregation, assimilation and discrimination. They're the sorts of things that we want the truth to be told about. So... That's why I was saying we, we also want to change, I guess, systemically what's happened uh, in within areas of health and justice and education in those areas as well. So it's looking, it's also looking at the impacts that um, colonisation and what occurred and then how they impacted on Aboriginal people's lives in Victoria today. The size of the, the, the story that has to be told uh, as leads to the question of uh, timeframes, uh, how how is how yes. is it going to how does it get to an end if you like? Because the commission is independent of the state and independent of the assembly. So once they were 
they were uh, selected, the commissioners, uh, and the, the commissioners being established, that, you know, they do, it's, we've handed it over to them. Now, what, what we're handing over to them is not just with that, uh, the report, the Kerry report, but it's a responsibility. It's a, we're giving to them the responsibility of sharing the burdens of our community and what's had occurred and what's impacted on our communities, okay? So we've, it's it's not just a report, it's more than a report. So we're, we're looking for them, the Commission, then to give, give us, uh, when they've gone 12 months into their uh, talking with community and consulting with community and hearing community stories, that they will give us a report about where they are up to with that so that, you know, because it's really important. We need to be, you know, sort of, it, it came from First People's Assembly Victoria, we wanted to to really um, the commission to know that what's coming out of their report, their end report, will then have the recommendations from government towards working towards us establishing treaties in Victoria. So you mentioned the the talking to uh, the the various peoples around the around Victoria. Um, is that expected to be the main source of the information, or, or are they expecting to go back to? I guess, uh, written uh, material out of government or wherever? Almost certainly they will. They'll, they'll be looking at archival materials. They'll be written at, you know, looking at those written reports from that time uh, since colonisation and all of those policies that had been established over that period of time that affected Aboriginal people's lives. So it'll be also looking at those as well as talking to people, not just talking to Aboriginal community, but talking to the wider community as well. There are, you know, there are, are farmers that have, have um, a whole amount of information on what occurred, you know, sort of from their parent, their grandparents and their great-grandparents and, and so forth. So there's, you know, sort of probably fourth generations of people that know things that are occurred with the Aboriginal communities in their area. So it'll be talking to the wider community as well and look and asking, you know, sort of if they've got any information that they want to divulge in relation to those injustices and the Commission. It seems to me that uh, there will be people who will say, oh, look, this is all now in the past. Um, you know, we, we, we want to move on, I think is probably the phrase that people keep using. Um, but it, in fact, uh, it, it, a lot of this happened within people's memories even now and certainly the the impact has continued on it's certainly it's certainly it, it's not just just looking at historical practices it's looking at you know recent systemic practices and recent policies uh that you know that people have lived through that people my age i'm 69 people at that age not just aboriginal people but all people have, have uh, lived through those and seen those impacts on the aboriginal communities so it's about it's about not um, not making people. We don't want people to to uh, suffer with guilt or have any feel, guilty feelings. That's not our, that's not our point. We don't want that to happen. What we want to do is establish what the true history of Victoria is, and in that true history, that holds the place for our Aboriginal people from that time since colonisation in Victoria up until now. So that's, we're a part of this history, we're a part of Victorian history, and we think that that truth should be known. We're speaking here with Auntie Geraldine Atkinson, K 
co-chair of the First Nations Assembly in Victoria about the developing treaty process in Victoria. That, that recognition and acknowledging that uh, Aboriginal people in actual fact had, were owners of land, that they owned those traditional lands. And I know that we don't have, we don't own uh, legally those traditional lands today, but we still, they're so very important to our identity, to, where, to know where we come from and where we belong. So there, that's, that's important that, you know, the recognition that uh, when you look at, at the Gunai Kurnai people in Gippsland, those people, you know, they're, they're ancestors and they have lived there for, uh, you know, sort of hundreds of years. So it's acknowledging that. We're not saying you give up that land, that we want that land, but we want the acknowledgement that it was and who it belonged to and to know the history of what had occurred on those lands. And I guess one of the problems is going to be that because of the process that you are wanting to bring out, um, a lot of the, the the truth has been lost. No, people have, people have been told stories. There have been stories that have been passed down. I, I talked about, you know, sort of those people that are landholders and the stories that have been passed down by their ancestors to them. There have been stories that have been passed down by our ancestors to us. So they're not lost. There's, there's been written reports. There's been written stories. People have told them over and over. But we want people, I wanted to make sure that people are aware that what we want to do is if, when we're hearing those stories from our, from our Aboriginal communities across Victoria, that we don't want to re-traumatise them. So what we want to do is make sure, and this was in the report that we gave to the Commission, that it would be, have to be done in a culturally safe manner, that it would be out on country, that they would be able to do traditional customs, you know, all of those sorts of things so that it's, it's, it will make people not go through the trauma of, of having to retell their stories. So not in some Melbourne office anywhere, but out on people's country so that they'll be more relaxed, that they'll be able to sort of live through those things and that they won't be, re, as I said before, re-traumatised. So it has to be done culturally safe. I just wanted to make sure that people were aware that that, that that was really one of the most important things that came out of our report to the Commission. Is the hope, uh, is it too grand to say that it's, it's a hope that the process will be, in a sense, restorative for people rather than re-traumatising, as you say? Yes, it will. I believe that it will. It's, it's you know, it is about that restorative. It's about, it's about, you know, acknowledging that it was their country, you know, sort of, and then those things that, that as it as it was as it you know as it was more colonised that things had changed, and that we wanted people to understand um, you know that the Aboriginal people need to tell these stories so they it can be restorative. The NAIDOC Week uh, this year's theme was healing country, and when we talk about not just healing country environmentally, but healing people on country. So that's what's really this is one that's one of the things that really is most important about the um, the justice truth telling commission. As I think I said at the start, it's a very substantive report, so we we won't be able to go through everything, and we I fear we may miss something. So, are there are there other matters that that you think are, are very important that that we should cover? I, I guess the important issues that I see is not just looking at those historical injustices, 
but it's looking at those ongoing systemic injustices. You know, when we look at the incarceration rates of Aboriginal people, they're way too high. When we look at um, the removal of children, when you look at what happened during and the period we always say that stolen generations, well, there, you know, there, there's a high proportion of Aboriginal children still being removed from families today. So they're the issues, I think, are the main issues that we need to delve into of why it's happening of why, you know, sort of why things are like that. And if there has to be systemic change that, and there are recommendations that come from uh, the Commission, that they, they're the things that we'll be able to work on and, I guess, work towards changing those relationships, those practices that, you know, that lead to those uh, issues. I'm an old bloke um, and I can remember when I was a student um, back in the, the day um, that uh, people like Nugget Coombs and, and many others were have been calling for treaty for, well, as I say, I'm an old bloke, uh, it's an awful long time. Um, does this feel like real progress at last? Yes, it is. It is. And I can re remember Nugget Coombs. I thought he was really a most amazing man. In actual fact, my brother had uh, Alf Bamblett. He was involved in Aboriginal affairs. He's blessing he's departed now, but he spent his entire life as an activist and worked uh, a lot on committees and things with Nugget Coombs. And what he wanted, and that's what I talked about before, this is about building on those activists that wanted this to occur. So it's nothing new. It's 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 something that the Aboriginal community has asked for and called for, for for uh, decades and what we're doing and it just makes me so proud that uh, we're able to then deliver on that on you know on the commission that we had do we've got to a point where we where the truth can be told and we're having a, what really is a royal commission into that process. Well, thank you very much, Geraldine. We've been speaking with Geraldine Atkinson, who is co-chair of the First Peoples Assembly in Victoria. Um, and uh, thanks for your explanations. And, and I look forward to talking uh, uh, on every other occasion as the, the treaty process develops. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, it's been a pleasure.